Hi, welcome back to the As You Are podcast. It is the second week of our new series called John, the Life of Jesus. So we are diving into the book of, you guessed it, John. This is going to be some really good stuff over the next several weeks. We are so pumped about studying scripture with you guys. And today we're on chapter one. Um, well, today we're still in the book of John. I'm loving it. Week two, we're still going to be in chapter one, and then next week we'll move on. We are just going to share what we've learned as we've been studying and listening to sermons, reading different articles, just to kind of familiarize ourselves with John 1. And these are all things, y'all, like as you're studying your Bible, you can do it too. You, If you have a study Bible, we encourage you to read the little paragraphs that are off to the side that give you more context. Like, they're so helpful, and I think they're easy to just skip through. And if you don't have a study Bible, we can link one in the show notes. Oh, yeah. What I've been doing is putting all of our resources on our website. So if you go to ayaministries.com and then click the podcast tab, each episode is listed, and there's resources underneath. So um, I also linked this Bible journal that I think you guys would like a lot. It's the ESV Mm -hmm. version and it's a single book, like the book of John. The left page is like the scripture. The right page is a whole journal page where you can just Mm -hmm. take notes and write whatever you want. And then I linked a couple of other things like the the Bible project summary of the book of John, which you might... The video one? Yeah, the video. Yeah. So if y'all want to go listen to that, it's really helpful. But to pick up where we left off... The last thing that we said, so John 1, 1 through 18 is a prologue to the whole book. And then it dives in at verse 19 to the testimony of John the Baptist, which is such an interesting guy. And I thought it was really Mm -hmm. interesting tying back what we studied around Advent because when Mary was pregnant, her cousin Elizabeth was also pregnant with John the Baptist. And we talked about that a little bit around Christmas. But to sort of set the scene about who he is, he lived like a very outdoorsy lifestyle. <laughs> he, yeah, to say the least. Yeah. yeah, we were told that he lived out in the wilderness. He had some disciples, just like Jesus had disciples, just like any rabbi or teacher in that day had disciples. A disciple really just means like a follower. So he had people that were with him. Yeah. Um, in Matthew chapter three, it actually tells us that John's clothes were made of camel's hair and he had a <laughs> leather belt around his waist and that his food was locust and wild honey. And people went out to him from all of Jerusalem and all of Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan. Okay, River. that's really cool. And again, just a reminder, John the Baptist is not the same guy who wrote the book of John. There are two different Johns. That's why we're going to always refer to him as John the Baptist. So where we pick up in the book of John, it marks the first week of Jesus's ministry. And John the Baptist is baptizing people in the Jordan River. My study Bible said that the spot in the Jordan River where he was probably baptizing them was this very special, um, sacred spot where back Mm -hmm. in Joshua 3, the Israelites crossed over the Jordan River on dry land. So if you'll remember in Exodus... Um, Moses parts the Red Sea. And in Joshua, which I had actually forgotten about, Joshua 
parts the Jordan River for them to enter into the promised land. So Joshua chapter 2 through 4, you can read about the Israelites being delivered into the promised land, which was a huge part of God's promise to them being fulfilled. And so John the Baptist is now standing at that spot. Um, it says that they, after they crossed over the river in Joshua, they God told them to lay 12 stones as a memorial for what happened there that day. And it says, and they're still there today. So I don't know if that's true now, but it was at the time. And so John's baptizing people in the river there. And the Jews, which my study Bible also said that in this context, when the Jews like are mentioned in this way, it means the people that oppose Jesus because they were all Jews. Um, Jesus was a Jew. His disciples were Jews. The people who ended up following him were also Jews. But there were a group of people that were against him throughout his ministry and from the very beginning. And so when you see it, it says right here in verse 19, and this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed, I am not the Christ. So the Jews in that sentence, they would be the people that were against Jesus. So they have sent people to find mm -hmm. out, who are you, John the Baptist? <laughs> are you a prophet? Are you Elijah? Are you, who are you? And he says, I'm not the Christ, but I've come to pave the way for him. I love verse 23. He said, I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, the prophet Isaiah said. So that's him quoting a prophecy from Isaiah 40, verse 3. Um, and I'm going to read that to you just so you have the context. But this is Isaiah prophesying hundreds and hundreds of years before this happens. He says, comfort, comfort for my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Well, it's also cool because the wilderness that he's referring to is not like, yes, John was living in the wilderness, but the wilderness was really just like all of right. earth, all of creation. Like we live in a world that's broken and that is very wilderness, like yeah. a fallen, broken world. And so John is literally saying like he has gone before Jesus to prepare the way in the wilderness, not just the wilderness that he was living in. He's pointing to the fact that Jesus came for everybody and for the world. You to know? give hope. Another side note, a little tip on reading the Bible. Um, even if you don't have a study Bible, most of your Bibles, if you have a hard copy, will have little numbers or letters that are kind of like italics um, next to different verses or things. And a lot of times there'll be little yeah. references at the bottom. So like my Bible, it's not even a study Bible. It's just a regular ESV. But when you read that verse... It had a little italicized D next to it, and I could look at the bottom and see, oh, that's referencing Isaiah 40. I didn't know that for a while, that, oh, that's at the bottom of your Bible. There are little references. It's all telling a story and all pointing to Jesus. The Gospel of John, one of his huge themes that he wants to drive home is that all of the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus. Um and so that's like an example where we see something that is referenced in the Old Testament, a prophecy from the Old Testament that John is 
bringing forward and saying like, hey, this is who this was talking about. This was talking about Jesus. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, So John has just said, no, I'm not the Christ. I'm the voice in the wilderness crying, make straight the way for the Lord. And we know that they had been sent from the Pharisees. So verse 25 is where we're going to pick up. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across Jordan, where John was baptizing. So he's basically saying, I'm baptizing with water, and there's somebody that you already know, but we're waiting to see who he's going to be that is holy. Like the sandal I'm not worthy to untie would probably be talking about a servant would wash people's feet. They would take off their sandals and wash their feet before they come into a house because their feet would be nasty. And that's obviously a very lowly job. (laughs) And he's saying this person, I'm not even worthy of like washing his feet and untying his sandals. Because he's so holy. So we're like, ooh, who's it going to be? Next, we see Hmm. Jesus and John interacting. So will you read that, Anna? Yeah. So this is verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. That's cool. Um, My verse 34 says in the ESV, and I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the son of God. Hmm. So twice John said, I did not know him. Verse 31, he said, I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And then he says it again. In 33, I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, he is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So Anna and I were talking about this earlier, and we think that's so interesting because Hmm. based on what we're talking about over Advent, we know that John the Baptist knows Jesus. So when he says, I myself did not know him, it doesn't mean he doesn't know him. It means he didn't realize he was was the Messiah and the Son of God. So this is like the moment where he's debuting his ministry and the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove and lands on him and stays on him. Hmm. Reading it before, I had always thought that he knew from the very, very beginning that Jesus was the Messiah, but I guess potentially not. In the Old Testament, you would see the Holy Spirit like be with somebody to accomplish a God-given task, But they had prophesied that the Holy Spirit would remain throughout their ministry when he was the Son of God. So I just thought that was interesting. It is. It's amazing. It's really cool. But one thing I wanted to pause on, just in case anybody else like me has 
had thoughts and feelings about the Pharisees and wondered, are they just the bad guys or, or whatever? I have tended to make them the bad guys in my head just because of how they are always against Jesus in the Bible. But let me give you the quick definition of this group of people. A relatively small but highly influential group of Jews who emphasize meticulous observance of God's law, both Old Testament laws and accumulated traditions, as a means to attain righteousness before God. So these guys would have probably been seen as like the best of the best. They obviously were very tied to the law, and Jesus came to complete Mm -hmm. the law. And so they are kind of resisting the new covenant that he's bringing. So that's where this tension comes from. But for the most part, they're not straight up bad guys. <laughs> they're they're really like religious right. people that have been very devout for their entire lives and really set themselves apart and have been highly influential, like it says. Part of the reason they were so upset with Jesus is because they had spent their entire lives like trying to keep every rule, every law, like trying to live within the parameters that was set for them in the Old Testament, but they had almost taken it to a whole different extreme. Um, We'll see in a little bit. I was listening to a podcast this morning that talks about how in John's gospel, he reorders the story just a little bit. Like most of the other gospels keep Jesus clearing the temple at a later part in the story, but John has moved it forward. And that's because, like, one of his main themes is that Jesus Mm, is the temple. Like, a relationship with Jesus is the way to salvation. And the Pharisees believed that keeping all the rules and all of the different customs perfectly was the way to salvation. And so we're just reminded over and over again, like, no, they weren't bad. They weren't bad. They They were doing what they thought was best, but they were so focused on the rules and living life a certain way that they missed why they were even doing it. Like they had been told all throughout the Old Testament that a Messiah was coming, but having their focus on the law caused them to miss the fact that Jesus was coming to fulfill the law and to be the fulfillment of everything they'd been (laughs) working towards. And I think that one important thing to consider is what parts of yourself, this is what I think about with myself, what parts of Mm -hmm. myself tend to be more like the Pharisees where it's like, I follow the rules, I keep up appearances, but I'm not addressing my heart because Jesus came to address our hearts. There's a point, one of the laws of the Old Testament was that you shall not kill. I mean, to us, this is very common sense, but back then... If you read any of the Old Testament, it's like everyone's killing everyone. Battles are common. They're like, you don't kill and don't commit adultery, which everyone did. Like, don't do all these things. I want you to be set apart as my chosen people. But then Jesus comes and some of the things that he says addressing the law is, okay, if you don't kill, but you want to, or like, but you hate then you might as well have broken the law. Mm -hmm. And so he's coming to address our heart. And 
I think that the easiest thing to do is to monitor our actions and to keep up appearances and to act like the Pharisees where if I just do X, Y, and Z, then I'll be fine. And and especially I'll be better than everyone else because they committed their lives right. to setting themselves apart and there was really good intention behind it, but ultimately it separated them from Christ. Right. So it's like, okay, daily, how can we kill off the parts of ourselves that only want to focus on actions and really, really attach to Jesus about our hearts and let our actions right. flow out of that. Yeah, we say it all the time, or I feel like you hear it in church, but like Jesus cares more about the heart. He came to have a relationship with us and he cares about what's going on in your heart and is revealing like, hey, even if you're not acting on it and you're feeling that way, like that, that is like a I know. reality check in a lot I of ways. I know it is. I mean, his message really was so beautiful and so countercultural yeah. and so incredible. And I'm excited to go through this book and see how he treats people, see how he teaches, see how he interacts with his friends. And because the point of the book of John or like the theme of it is to show how he is truly the son of God. Throughout the book of John, we'll get to see a lot of his miracles, which are these intentional signs that prove that he's the Messiah. So I'm excited about walking through those. Some of them that you might remember Mm -hmm. are changing water into wine and he heals several people, feeds the 5,000, heals a blind person raises Lazarus from the dead. So we'll get to look at those. But to wrap up chapter one, the rest of this chapter is spent talking about how Jesus calls his first disciples. And so if you look at Jesus's first week of ministry, days one through seven were outlined in my little study Bible. And it's like day one, John the Baptist bears witness about Jesus. Day two, John the Baptist encounters Jesus. Days three through five, He's like calling his disciples. And day seven is the wedding at Cana where he changes water into wine. So it's about to get real. Which, okay, this is so cool. The fact that that culminates into seven. Just a little side note. Sevens are really, really important in the book of John. And throughout, like he also wrote the book of Revelation and the other books of John, first, second, and third. So he really likes sevens we see that later in other books as well but the fact that like on the seventh day he performs his first miracle is so cool cool. because even in like john chapter one jesus is given seven different names like he's called the lamb of god the son of god rabbi son of man messiah jesus of nazareth and king of israel Mm. so seven titles in chapter one and then he goes on to perform like seven main miracles that we're going to see. But just the fact that that culminates on the seventh day, I just, I hadn't thought about that before. And so that made me be like, wait, what? That's so cool. Because he also then has the seven I am statements in John where he talks about, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I'm the gate for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the way, the truth, and life. I'm the true vine and I'm the resurrection and the life. So that's really cool. I love that. (laughs) And it's just like, I don't know, that like the Gospels and the Bible have so much for us to unpack and understand. Everett and I were talking about that last night. I was sharing some of this with him and he was like, dang, I 
have read the book of John several different times and I didn't know any of this. Like we're just always, we're lifelong learners when it comes to the Bible and there's always going to be more. That's also what it means that it's the living word because yeah. it is the living word of God that interacts with the Holy Spirit in us. So it's like, yeah, it's showing it's really us cool. new things every time we study it. Like, it's just amazing. Um, okay, so now we are going to look at Jesus calling his first disciples. Yeah. Um, from verses 35 to 42, we see him call Andrew, Peter, and Philip. And Peter, his name was Simon, and Jesus changes his name to Peter, which means rock. And that's the Peter that we read about a lot in the Bible. Yeah, so basically it says, John said, behold, this is the Lamb of God. And the two disciples that were with him heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Which means they were John's disciples. They were John's disciples at first. Which is cool. And so cool. And so... One of the two that heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Yeah. He found his brother Simon and said to him, we found the Messiah, and he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Peter, the rock. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing I think is cool about that, God in the Old Testament would give people names that would indicate their calling. And so this is like another instance of him showing like that he's in the likeness of God. Like he sees a person, he's like, your calling is that you're going to be the rock. So then says the next day, this is verse 43, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Philip was from the same place Andrew and Peter were from. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see, which I have circled in my Bible because yeah. I think it's so cool. Like, it needs no explanation. Just come and see. Mm-hmm. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and he said, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Hmm. So that gets us to the end of chapter 1. And it's it's really kicking off with a bang. He's called his first four disciples. And I think Nathaniel is so interesting because he sounds sarcastic to me. <laughs> yeah, he's like skeptical. As soon as he hears that Jesus like knows about his heart, he's like, oh yeah, I know that you're the son of God and I'll be with you. Yeah. And what's so cool is like Peter and Andrew, they're brothers. And then Jesus calls Philip. And then Philip, as a result, even of just like being with Jesus for a brief moment, like we don't know how long it was before Philip went and found Nathaniel, but his response to Jesus is to tell the people he loves about him. I haven't thought about that before, but as you were reading it, that stuck out to me of like, wow, what is my response to Jesus? Mm -hmm. How does my interactions with the people around me change 
because of my relationship with Jesus, because of time I'm spending with Jesus. It should look different. Like we should be wanting to tell the people around us about Jesus because of how he's changed our lives. Philip's like, I want my friends to know about this guy. Like I'm going to go tell him about it. It reminds me of, I think you shared this about a podcast that Michael was listening to one time. I've thought about this so much since you told me, but listening to a podcast and the guy recording the podcast was not a Christian. Um, and how he said something about like, if you really believe that Jesus is who he says he is, like, why wouldn't you want to tell me about it? Like, it's not offensive. Right. If you really believe that, then like, if you love me, then you would want me to know, you know? Yeah. The cool part and the challenge for us is come and see because we don't have to have all the answers for our friends. We just have to say, you know, this is where I put my hope. This is what I believe. And come and see for yourself because he is God. Philip was, he was so confident in who Jesus was that he knew all he had to do was get Nathaniel to his feet. Right. Do we have that same confidence in who Jesus is of just like, just come and see, just come and see who, who he is because of how he's changed our lives for ourselves too, you know, not just for our friends. Do we have that confidence as well of like, Hey, when you're having a really hard day, like, are you coming to Jesus? Are you bringing it to him and trusting that he is enough? Yeah, there was a podcast I was listening to last week by Francis Chan, and he said it was on John 1. And the funny thing is he didn't spend that much time talking about John yet. Like, I think he continued the podcast and talked more about John. But the way he set up the entire book of John was, I've been praying for everyone that will hear this because my Mm -hmm. only job as a pastor is to abide in the Lord and to bring you to the feet of God where you can abide in Him. Like, Hmm. it's not my job to teach you everything about Him. It's my job to try to give you the confidence to spend time alone with Him and then leave the rest to Him. And so if you want to listen to that whole podcast, it is on our website. I linked it underneath last week's episode. But I just think that That's the one thing that I want all of us to take away from this series Mm -hmm. is that going to church is so great and, you know, going to Bible study is great. We want all of you guys to go to an As You Are Bible study or find a Bible study that, that works for you. But the most important thing that you can do in your relationship with God is get alone with Scripture and allow the Holy Spirit to be there with you. So... That's my challenge for all of us, me included, is to find any amount of time that we can to get alone with God. And this is a really good start. So my prayer for us today, I'm going to pray to close us. And my prayer is that you would be able to find time and confidence to spend alone with God and with Scripture. God, we love you so much. And we're so grateful for your word and for an opportunity to study it together. I just pray that you would bless every single girl or guy that's listening to this podcast, and I pray that you would bless their efforts to know you, and would you give them confidence to spend time alone with your word this week, maybe even today. 
I just pray that you would carve out the time for it, carve out the confidence for it, and that you would bless it and show up. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, y'all, that wraps up week two. I cannot believe this, but we are like two weeks out (laughs) from the end of the school year. Our Bible studies will start back up next semester, but throughout the summer, we're going to have podcasts coming out every week. So continue to tune in, share it with your friends, and we'll see you guys very soon. Bye. Bye.